And so there you have it, uh, almost three and a half hours of this debate. The House of Representatives has now finished a very impassioned and truly historic and momentous debate on impeaching President Trump for inciting the deadly insurrection at the U.S. Capitol. Now comes the historic vote. They will be voting at least for one hour, maybe even a bit more. That's expected to make him the first and only U.S. president to be impeached for a second time. And Jake, the question is, how many Republicans will join the Democrats? The Democrats have the votes, but now we are told at least seven Republicans have publicly declared they will vote in favor of impeachment. That's right, Wolf. Seven Republicans that we know of right now, uh, most senior among them, Congresswoman Liz Cheney, uh, the daughter of the former vice president. She is the House conference chair, uh, has basically she's third in line there uh, in the House Republican leadership. And I have to say, uh, Dan and Abby, listening to all these speeches, uh, what struck me is that there are basically four groups of Republicans. One is the seven that we know of, there might be more, who are voting to impeach, who are just so appalled uh, that even if you look at the list of them, some of them are quite conservative, mm-hmm. uh, are just absolutely appalled. Then there's a second group of people who do hold Trump responsible, uh, but do not favor impeachment for various reasons. Uh, and I, I think you can say that these are principled Republicans. Uh, Congresswoman Mace, uh, Congressman Roy of Texas, uh, they have a principled reason for opposing impeachment, uh, but they do understand that President Trump did what he did. Um, then there's the third group, which is, unfortunately for the country, most of the House Republican caucus, which is the what about caucus. They're out there saying, well, what about this rally that got violent in, in Portland? Or what about, literally, one of them said, uh, there were negative hashtags about <laughs> President Trump on Twitter. Literally, Congressman Moore, a freshman from Alabama, said that. I mean, I couldn't even believe it. What about it? Somebody actually cited Sarah Sanders being turned away at a restaurant. People. There were people killed in the Capitol by a terrorist assault by President Trump's supporters. Who cares about a hashtag? Anyway, and then there's the fourth group, and that group is a, a group of one person, the House Republican leader, Kevin McCarthy, mm-hmm. the House Republican leader who said today uh, that Joe Biden uh, was legitimate, that it was not the American way to say that he's not legitimate and that we need to work together, as if Kevin McCarthy has not been fueling these lies spreading these lies. It makes you wonder, like, he knows when he goes on Fox that we can see him, right? I mean, he literally put out a tweet in November after the election, far from over. Republicans will not back down from this battle. Two days after the election, McCarthy said on Fox, President Trump won this election, so everyone who's listening, do not be quiet. We cannot allow this to happen before our very eyes. I'm sorry, Kevin, but we all saw you say that. You can't pretend now that you didn't let the genie out of the bottle. Yeah, I mean, the the thing that was missing from every one of those categories that you just uh, laid out there is something that is really basic, which is um, those who did say that the election was stolen, those who propagated that, those who fed the lies and enabled the lies of the president, um, I'm sorry, I made a mistake. And Not one of them. We heard that from nobody, nobody. And that's frankly, reprehensible, uh, especially given the fact that they all know better. I, I, it's I don't impossible. know that that's true. I think it's impossible for me to believe. You think the QAnon caucus members not, know better? I, that they, yeah, I do. I think that they know the re, I think they know the reality. I think that they know the truth. I think that they, in their heart of hearts, um, understand that when the secretaries of state in uh, swing states like Georgia or Pennsylvania or Arizona say this election wasn't stolen and and it was free and fair and honest, that that actually is the truth. And, you know, maybe I am giving them too much credit in following logic, but just even one basic example is they're not challenging the elections of the Republicans who won the House, who won the House seats in those states. But the other thing that I think is really, really important is the fact that we have video, and I was just watching it as they were starting this vote, of the people who were storming the Capitol saying, the president told us to come here. <laughs> right. That is uh, happening. I mean, that is video. There's video of this. It is just exhibit A of the the reams of evidence that we have. There's one other thing I want to share. But just one other thing. Just yep. That's relevant. What you're saying right now is relevant. Because Congressman Brian Mast, mm-hmm. a Republican from Florida, 
who lost his legs, by the way, fighting for democracy abroad, mm-hmm. although I don't know what his, I don't know about his commitment to it here in the United States. He said, did anybody say that? Yes. Yeah, we heard him. Yeah. The answer is yes. <laughs> yes, yes. And, and, you know, anybody out there, I'll, I'll retweet the tweet so that everybody sees the video. But also, just on a more a personal, first-person level, somebody at CNN, one of our colleagues, was out there a week ago at the Capitol, plain closed. A lot of people were having trouble getting cell service, and they saw that this colleague of ours was looking at his phone. And so they all swarmed him. And what they were saying was, what is he saying? Meaning the president, where does he want us to go? What does he want us to Mm. do? They were taking direction from the president, looking for direction from the president, and they had gotten it at that rally and, you know, for the two months prior to that, and they were continuing to look for him and to him. And that is so telling and so chilling. And yet, if you listen to Republicans today on Capitol Hill, you would think that the victim of this entire uh, situation is the president himself that they have created this whole myth of President Trump being uh, constantly victimized by the system and being unfairly punished in his final uh, seven days in office, and just completely, in many cases, ignoring the reality of what actually happened last week, which is completely different from anything that this country has seen in decades, perhaps even hundreds of years. Mm. There is a sense, I think you know, among Republicans, uh, the the vast majority of Republicans, I think we should be clear about this. uh, So far, we have seven Republicans who have said publicly that they will vote uh, in favor of this. And we're watching that number tick up. Abby, I'm sorry to interrupt. I'm going to come right back to you. But I just want to note, as we uh, hit the top of the hour, a historic House vote is getting underway. And Donald J. Trump is on the brink of becoming the only president of the United States to be impeached twice. A shameful new chapter in his legacy. I'm Jake Tapper. This is the lead. Abby, I'm sorry. Please continue. Oh, no, of course. Well, you know, seven Republicans have said publicly they will vote in favor of articles of impeachment. But the vast majority of them, uh, I think, based on what they said today, seem to think that there is no difference between the storming of the Capitol and attempt at a violent insurrection to stop the business of the United States government and anything else that has happened in the history of this country. Most notably, one of the lawmakers uh, in his speech said if they had arrested Black Lives Matter protesters before last week, the riot would never have happened. Um, it's a really unbelievable thing, the excuses that were being said today. We should today. know plenty of Black Lives Matter <laughs> protesters fact, have been frankly, arrested. Many more Black Lives Matter protesters were arre- have been arrested than have been arrested for what happened last week. Yeah. And that's a fact. So it, it is, I think it's astounding to me uh, that there is just a desire to create excuse after excuse uh, to, to basically say, don't hurt these people's feelings because they might do it again. And I think that is the scariest part about what we are about to see here. Uh, yes, there will be Republicans voting for this article of impeachment, but the vast majority of yeah. the Republican Party is making excuses for what we saw last week. And if I could just make a note on the Black Lives Matter protesters, I was talking to a general uh, a few days ago who said about the violence that we've seen in Portland and across the country uh, in light of uh, the George Floyd murder, that you cannot compare them. You cannot compare them. Yes, violence is bad. All violence is bad. Uh, the violent protests that we saw across the city, across the, of Minnesota, mm-hmm. of Minneapolis, uh, St. Paul, and across the country, in Portland, everywhere. It's horrible. Mm-hmm. It should not have happened. But, this general said, you cannot compare it. Because this was not that. That was, for better or for worse, spontaneous and a largely disenfranchised community in many instances, violently expressing, uh, too often violently expressing uh, discontent with criminal justice in America. Again, that's not excusing it. The violence should all be condemned. This was the President of the United States inciting his supporters to commit an act of terrorism to stop. And here's the key. They weren't just going into the Capitol mm-hmm. to kick some ass, in the, in the words of uh, Congressman Mo Brooks of, of Alabama, one of the inciters. They weren't just going to kick some ass. They were going there to stop the constitutional process. When they said, hang Mike Pence, 
hang Mike Pence. They were they thought they were following the lead of President Trump, who that morning had at the incitement rally criticized Mike Pence, who was presiding over what was going on and discharging his constitutional duties. Absolutely. It was it was a direct result of what the president was tweeting. And that is something that is absent, notably absent uh, from I think across the board, uh, for the most part, it is um, a breath of fresh air, the sound of silence from our phones buzzing and beeping uh, with the president's tweets responding to everything that we're seeing here. And um, that was very, very much a part of what happened before. The one thing I I also want to say as we look at this vote and we see how many Republicans so far, it's five, as you said, we've we've heard seven publicly come out. Uh, We'll see if that's uh, that number gets higher when the final vote is tallied. Uh, But going forward, never mind, put principle aside for a second, but just on the political calculation that many of these Republicans are making, and it's it's really burst into the open, is most of them, obviously, since it's such a low number of Republicans, some of them th- argue that he shouldn't be impeached. But some who maybe in their heart of hearts think he should be impeached are arguing that it's going to embolden the president. It's going to make him a martyr. It's going to make him more of a victim. That's one uh, group of Republicans. And then the other, the Liz Cheney's of the world, the Mitch McConnell's of the world, are arguing when it comes to the future of the Republican Party, the viability of the Republican Party, is they argue that the best way to rid the party of Trump is to impeach him, is to punish him. And we don't know which of these political calculations is going to be the right one. I want to bring in Manu Raji right now, who's on Capitol Hill, uh, who has the latest reporting. Manu, tell us what you're seeing. Yeah, we're getting reports from what's inside the chamber of the Republicans who are breaking ranks. And according to what our colleagues are seeing on the board that is showing how each of the members are voting, two additional Republicans on top of the seven who have already announced that they would vote to impeach President Trump have broken ranks. That includes Tom Rice of South Carolina and Anthony Gonzalez of Ohio. Gonzalez has put out a statement saying that he would support the president's impeachment. Rice, we're looking here. We don't see a statement from him yet, but... According to what our colleagues have seen on the board in the House chamber, which is not visible on TV, but you can see it when you're in the chamber, it says that he has voted for impeachment. Now, we'll see by the end of this vote if he changes that at all. One way, and sometimes members accidentally hit the wrong thing here. We'll see if that happened here. But at the moment, there are nine Republicans who have either, who have either voted or said publicly they plan to vote for the president's impeachment. We'll see if that grows. Coming into this, Republican leaders ship where sources were telling me they expected about a dozen to break ranks. That was their expectation. They did not whip this vote, did not urge their members to vote one way or the other. So it's uncertain. It's a bit fluid. We'll see as this vote develops. Now, at the same time, there's been a, a several developments on the Senate side where the trial will take place to decide whether or not Donald Trump is convicted on this charge of incitement of an insurrection and whether or not he can actually hold office ever again. Now, Mitch McConnell just sent a letter to his Senate colleagues telling them that He will not bring the Senate back early before January 19th to reconvene the Senate. Democrats wanted to have a quick Senate trial, have him convicted before he leaves office. That's not going to happen. So essentially, Donald Trump will be able to serve out his time in office unless somehow he decides to, to resign, which he is not indicating he plans to do that. Now, McConnell, significantly, though, has not ruled out supporting convicting the president. According to this email that he sent to his colleagues, it says, while the press has been full of speculation, I have not made a final decision on how I will vote, and I intend to listen to the legal arguments when they are presented to the Senate. Very clearly keeping open the option of convicting Donald Trump. And from talking to Republican sources, this is the key vote. If he decides to vote to convict Donald Trump, expect a number of his colleagues to go along with them. And presumably 17 could break ranks, convict Trump, and to accomplish the goal that McConnell's privately said, rid Donald Trump from their party in the aftermath of what happened last week, as well as their concerns about Trump's impact and it costing him the United States control of the United States Senate. So, but we don't expect that trial to begin until the early days of the Biden presidency. So a lot of developments on the Senate side. We'll see when the House Democrats decide to formally transmit the article of impeachment over to the Senate. It could happen sometime today. They have not said officially yet, but at the moment this vote taking place, a bipartisan vote, growing at least nine Republicans, maybe more, joining Democrats to impeach this president, Jane. 
All right, Manu, thank you so much. Uh, And so far, seven House Republicans have voted uh, to impeach uh, President Trump uh, because of this incitement uh, at an insurrection, to commit an insurrection. We're told that two other House Republicans, uh, other than the seven we were aware of, have already come out, have also come out, rather, uh, and said that they intend to vote to impeach President Trump. They are Tom Rice of South Carolina and Anthony Gonzalez of Ohio. Uh, so that is, um, as I see, as we see right there, a total of nine that we're expecting. Um, that's still a significant minority uh, when it comes to the House. And, Abby, one of the things uh, that we've had reporting on from Jamie Gangell and Pamela Brown that we have not heard uh, so specifically enunciated or articulated in uh, any of the previous impeachments uh, that I've been alive for and covered uh, is that members of Congress Uh, Republicans are saying that they're not going to vote to impeach because they are afraid of Trump supporters and Trump specifically himself inciting physical attacks on them and their families. Just to underline this point, this was not something that we heard during the Nixon impeachment. This was not something that we heard during the Clinton impeachment. Nobody was saying, don't vote to impeach Bill Clinton because Bill Clinton will send his supporters to your house to kill your wife and kids. But it is something that we're hearing now from reporting from Pamela and Jamie that Republicans are fearful of. They're fearful that if they go against the president, his supporters will kill them. You can see why they might think that, because a week ago there were people in the Capitol who were literally, in some cases, trying to do just that. Oh, it's a legitimate fear. Absolutely. And and in the days since, um, accosting members of Congress in airports and in public and Uh, This is a toxic, toxic environment, and it's one that President Trump, when he is on his own and not reading from a teleprompter, continues to give a wink and a nod to in, in his language, in the threatening language that he uses to talk about what the consequences will be if certain things happen, if he's impeached, if the 25th Amendment is used against him. This is the kind of thing that... Uh, that that President Trump has done pretty consistently, but last week we saw what the consequences are. The problem for Republicans has been that for four years and longer, they have had a policy that's basically been anything that President Trump says, the words coming out of his mouth don't matter. Well, the proof is in what we all experienced a week ago. It does matter. And at some point, I do think there needs to be a recognition that his words have influence, his words have uh, an impact on his supporters. When he told the Proud Boys to stand back and to stand by, and then they showed up in Washington on January 6th, and they helped storm the Capitol, that's not an accident. That is part of what happens. And in fact, you know, last week during the, the, uh, the riots, at the end, almost at the end of the process, one of the last tweets President Trump issued... Uh, that has since been been deleted, his account is gone, um, is, I think, one of the most chilling that I've ever heard uh, him issue. He, he wrote, these are the things and events that happen when a sacred landslide election is so viciously and unceremoniously stripped away from our great patriots. Yep. These are the things that happen. Yep. So this wasn't before the riots. This was after we saw the magnitude of what happened the violence, uh, the rage, uh, the the truly criminal activity that was going on for hours and hours. He sent that tweet mm. at six o'clock in the afternoon. Words matter. They absolutely do matter. And again, I just, you know, we should know better than to expect anything different. Uh, but now, a week after, as we learn more and more how horrible it was, as we learn more and more about how premeditated it was that these members to whom this happened to, um, they, they aren't just observing something that the president did. They lived it. They experienced it. And the fact that they, again, I've said it before, I will say it again, they know better. They know the truth. They know that elections were free and fair. It's why they were reelected, because they are fine with the fact that uh, elections were called on their behalf. And the fact that they're doing this still is appalling. Appalling. Thank you. Let's go to Jim Acosta at the White House now. Uh, Jim, uh, what can you tell us? 
Yeah, Jake, I, I mean, one of the things I think we should put into the context here, the president about to be uh, the only president in American history to be impeached twice, uh, talked to a Trump advisor, senior Trump advisor, about some of this. And this advisor said that the president is, quote, clueless about what this has done to his legacy, what this has done historically, uh, what this has done internationally, that the president is, essentially has no clue uh, how, how much this has damaged his standing in the history books, how much this has damaged uh, the standing of the United States on the world stage. Uh, but one thing, interestingly, Jake uh, and Dan and Abby, that the president has talked about with his aides is that he is fearful of what all of this has done to the Trump brand uh, and that he is fearful that, you know, when he leaves office, uh, his businesses are going to be in serious trouble because of all of this, which obviously should be a, a real fear on his part. Uh, and so the president has more to fear, I, I think, at this point in terms of what um, you know, is going to happen to his, you know, his legacy and his place in history, which is likely going to be at, at rock bottom when it comes to how uh, historians view American presidents. Uh, but according to this advisor, the president faces the real prospect of going broke uh, after he leaves office because of his accumulation of debts, because of uh, the stain on the Trump brand and so on. And so we've talked about uh, Trump bankruptcies in the past. Uh, this is a bankruptcy of historic proportions, not only a personal bankruptcy that the president may be looking at, uh, but a political one as well, not only to uh, Donald Trump, uh, but potentially to the Republican Party and so on. And so th this, is, uh, this is a devastating moment for Donald Trump. Uh, a lot of uh, people, even inside the president's own team of advisors, are hopeful uh, that this is the, the last blast out of the cannon uh, that shoots Donald Trump, uh, you know, essentially off of the political stage, that this this is it, that this slams the door shut on Donald Trump's participation in American politics from here on forward. Yeah, we'll that, see if that comes to pass. Uh, but but, you know, the president has been talking about this damage to the Trump brand. Uh, and I think, obviously, Jake and, and Dan and Abby, it's going to be lasting. No question about it. Yeah, that stain on the Trump brand is a blood stain. Let's bring in uh, Pamela Brown and Jamie Gangel. They have some new reporting about one of the president's closest advisors. Pamela, let's start with you. Uh, well, Jake, sources tell me and Jamie that Hope Hicks, uh, the president's once um, influential confidant, longtime loyalist, has left the White House. Yesterday was her first day. And sources say that this was planned. This had been planned before the riots for her to leave uh, yesterday. Now, we're told from sources that she has felt in recent weeks that her influence has waned. She hasn't been seen at the White House months uh, uh, in the last uh, couple of months. Um, and we're told that shortly after the election that she did try to push back um, against the efforts to overturn the election results. But she felt like her voice wasn't being heard. She was concerned that these the ham handed efforts uh, to try to overturn the election results based on conspiracy theories would cause lasting damage. And as you have seen, as you have been discussing, it has. So she is no longer on the White House. And what is so notable about this is the president is increasingly isolated. We know that he has iced out other officials in his White House, such as the White House counsel, and he is surrounded by a smaller and smaller group of people um, where he spends most of his time in the residence. One source I was talking to said, you know, there's a lot of concern. He doesn't have Twitter as an outlet now. How is he going to use, how is he going to relieve his pressure? And one last point, it is notable the stark difference between this impeachment proceeding and the one last time. When I was at the White House, I was getting talking points repeatedly from White House officials defending this president. That is not the case this time around. Interesting. Uh, and uh, Jamie Gangel, I want to bring you in to talk about um, the highest ranking member of the House Republican Caucus uh, to vote for impeachment. And before we, before I, I ask you about it, I want to just remind our viewers, Congresswoman Liz Cheney, Republican of Wyoming, she is the chair of the House Republican Caucus. She is the, the third leader in line. And she uh, hasn't, she didn't speak on the floor of the House, but she did issue a statement yesterday saying, the president of the United States summoned this mob, assembled the mob, and lit the flame of this attack. Everything that followed was his doing. None of this would have happened without the president. Um, and, and Jamie, I know that she, uh, the congresswoman, the, the chair, is, is getting a lot of blowback uh, from the president's uh, sycophants uh, about this. Uh, how is she taking it? Well, uh, she actually put out a statement that began, I'm not going anywhere. And, and this is what I would also add, Jake. You know, we have been saying for four years plus, when are Republicans going to stand up to Donald Trump? Liz Cheney 
did just that in no uncertain terms. There was bound to be some blowback. But I will tell you, uh, Liz Cheney is uh, very blunt. She is not scared of Donald Trump. She certainly isn't scared of uh, Jim Jordan and, and Matt Gates. There are some very loud members of that uh, Republican caucus, but she is very well respected by many of the members you never hear anything from. She go- has gone all over the country uh, raising money for them, campaigning for them. I think that she feels she did the right thing here. And she's not worried about the blowback. She is a very conservative Republican. And she reminds us in her statement, Jamie, that this isn't about politics. This is about just plain decency. And in her statement and her position, uh, she has more integrity and courage than McCarthy, Scalise, and most of the House Republican leadership combined. Wolf? You know, if you take a look at the uh, roll call right now, Jake, take a look at this. uh, 207 uh, in favor of impeachment, 184 against nine Republicans have already voted uh, in favor in favor uh, of uh, impeachment, nine Republicans. Uh, and you see 207. The magic number, John King, as we all know, is 217. Normally it's 218, right. but there are two vacant seats right now uh, for a variety of reasons in the House of Representatives. So once they reach that 217 number, uh, history will be made. A president of the United States will be impeached for the second time. And you can see 207 right now, 10, 10 more votes to go, and it will be done. It will be done. It's not official until they gavel the vote closed in case somebody raises their hand and say, I made a mistake. But yes, uh, we are seconds away, moments away uh, from history. Uh, Donald Trump will become the, second, the only president in the United States history to be impeached a second time, to be impeached twice. Uh, and so what are we watching? Number one, what does he say after this? In the middle of the debate, he did issue a statement saying he does not want violence. That is a welcome step from the president of the United States. He did it on paper. It would be nice if he would walk into the briefing room at this moment of tension across the country, look into a camera and say, I'm asking my supporters, I'm urging my supporters, stand down at this moment. That would be nice. But the statement was one thing. Now the question is, what happens in the future? A, how does he react in his final days now that he has been impeached again? And then B, This is the end of the Trump term. It's the beginning of this fight we're seeing and that Jake and Jamie and Pam and uh, Dan and Abby were just talking about in the Republican Party. So it is important to see how many Republicans in the end in the House. There are nine right now. We'll see if that number grows a little bit as the final votes are tallied. And then what happens in the Senate? Because the Senate Republican Party and the House Republican Party, even in the Trump years, have been very different. And I think as we go forward, we will see that divide grow even wider. Uh, So what does Mitch McConnell do? He has said... He's not going to tell you how he's going to vote. We knew how he was going to vote on the first Trump impeachment. He was firmly in the president's camp. Now he wants the Democrats to run the show when it gets to the Senate. He's going to wait this out. I think we're in this testing moment for Republicans. And again, one of the fascinating things here is so many of these Republicans are just stuck in a box wolf and they don't know the way out because they're disgusted by what happened last week. They're disgusted by the president of the United States. But for two months, they supported his lies, including after the riots at the Capitol. So for many of these Republicans... Uh, They just cannot give you an intellectual argument right now because they stood for two months and supported lies from the president of the United States. And they're stuck in that box and their party is stuck in that box. 210, uh, not 211, six more votes needed to reach that magic number of 217 needed to impeach the president of the United States for the uh, uh, for the second time. Now it's up to 212, five more votes. So they're moving relatively quickly. They've given all the members, as you know, John, a lot of time because of the coronavirus. You notice that everyone was wearing masks uh, on the House floor, Democrats and Republicans, liberals and conservatives. Look at this, 215 members now uh, have voted in favor, including nine Republicans, and that's very significant. The last time, as you and I well remember, the president was impeached, President Trump was impeached. No Republicans voted in the House in favor of impeachment, but already nine have voted right now. Right. One independent, Justin Amash, who had just left the Republican Party, did vote to impeach the president. Here it is. Here it is right now. 217 uh, has just been reached. Uh, We've just witnessed a truly solemn moment in American history. The House of Representatives has reached the threshold for making Donald J. Trump the only president of the United States to be impeached for a second time. Unlike his first impeachment, this, uh, this is a bipartisan vote. At least nine Republicans agreeing with Democrats that this president poses a threat to U.S. national security 
and to democracy, uh, that he incited the riot at the U.S. Capitol by repeatedly lying that he won the election and by urging his supporters to, in his words, fight like hell. As he heads into the final week of his term, uh, the 45th president of the United States now is poised to face trial in the United States Senate. Uh, and, and there you see the numbers. Uh, we'll show the numbers up on the screen one more time. But this is a truly historic moment. Now 225 votes in favor of impeachment and 10 Republicans, uh, as you can see, have now voted in favor of impeaching the president of the United States. Uh, Jake, uh, this is something that we anticipated would happen, uh, but 10 Republicans joining the Democrats is very significant. It is. Uh, it is the first bipartisan impeachment of President Trump, though it is his second impeachment. Um, but I, I do have to say, as historical as this moment is, I think one week ago was even more historical because that was the time, that was the day that we all witnessed the president of the United States and his supporters, including Donald Trump Jr. and Rudy Giuliani and others, uh, inciting a mob to stage a domestic terrorist attack on the U.S. Congress in which five people were killed, including a U.S. Capitol Hill police officer, and subsequently at least two individuals, including a police officer, uh, have committed suicide. It, it's, a, it's a solemn moment, uh, Dana. It, it's, uh, it's not anything that's fun to report on any of this. Absolutely not. I mean, if you think last Wednesday, this horrific, unthinkable attack on the United States Capitol while they were trying to do their constitutional duty. It is literally written in the day and the time that they, that they certified the Electoral College is written in, into the Constitution. They were attacked. Today, a week, a week later, the president is impeached in a bipartisan way. Again, only uh, 10 Republicans, but that's 10 more than we saw the last time. And then a week from today, next Wednesday, President Biden will be President Biden at 12 o'clock, uh, again, as prescribed by the Constitution. These two weeks are, are mind-numbing. And, uh, you know, we always knew going into the 2020 election cycle that if, in fact, Joe Biden won, it was going to be a dramatic end to the Trump presidency. Nobody could have imagined it like this, with people dead, with blood on his hands, because of his absolute refusal to uh, to accept the reality and the fact I mean what they they didn't even talk uh, in, in this very limited article of impeachment about the fact that it was just a couple of weeks ago that he called up the secretary of state of Georgia and asked him to find votes. I mean, the length to which he went to uh, to, to bust through uh, the free and fair election it is really remarkable. And again, the the fact that he dragged the party and dragged his supporters along with him in, in a way that ended up so violent is, uh, is something that we all will, will never forget and probably never believe. So many lines crossed, so many norms just completely shattered uh, in this transition period. And I think looking back, we all knew this was not going to be a typical transition. But I think, as you said, Dana, nobody could have anticipated that we'd be sitting here today talking about an insurrection on the Capitol and five people dead. And of course, President Trump uh, planning to be absent from uh, the inauguration uh, activities next week, uh, as frankly, he probably should be considering uh, what he uh, incited last week. But uh, this is a moment for the country where so many things that we have taken for granted about this process of transferring power from one person to another um, have been really uh, turned on its head in, in this Trump era. And it's a real challenge for this country to pick up the pieces from here. What is troubling about uh, even the 10 Republicans who have joined uh, the Democrats in voting for impeachment is that there is no consensus among an entire uh, political party in uh, in our system that what happened last week was so wrong that it deserves to be deterred and uh, and it deserves to be uh, to be condemned. There there is not consensus on that, and that's going to be an issue for this country. Uh, in the future. I don't know whether Donald Trump is going to end up being a candidate in 2024, a twice impeached president uh, trying to come back onto the stage or whether he will be convicted and prohibited uh, in a vote from holding office again. But clearly, 
the Republican Party has not abandoned Trumpism. Right. And that remains uh, a, a real a real uh, force in our political world right now. And as I throw to Anderson, I want to say I, I agree with your arguments, uh, Dana and uh, Abby, that we could not no one could have predicted exactly what happened. But I will say, Anderson, uh, we've all been covering Donald Trump inciting violence uh, since he ran for president. One of the questions I asked him at the debate in Miami in 2016 uh, was whether he would agree to, to, to lower the temperature. Um, there was Caesar Syak, his supporter, who who uh, sent pipe bombs to members of the media and to, and to Democratic politicians. There was El Paso. Uh, there was the Tree of Life Synagogue. There was Charlottesville. Uh, there have been many, many times that President Trump has been inciting violence one way or another. This was just the most direct such tragedy. Anderson? The Michigan State House encouraging, uh, praising uh, men who walked, who you know, burst into the Michigan State House with long, long rifles, uh, getting the face of police officers, shouting down uh, elected uh, officials. That was in many ways a, a dry run, perhaps, uh, for what we later saw at, at the Capitol. 100%. Uh, yeah, Jake, thank you for your coverage. We'll come back to you very shortly. I want to bring in uh, Gloria Borger and David Axelrod. You know, we're waiting for the, the gaveling in to actually the reading out of the, uh, the final results. 220, 219 Democrats, uh, 10 uh, Republicans uh, voting to, uh, in, excuse me, 221. It's now gone up. Uh, 10 Republicans voting to, uh, to impeach uh, the president. Uh, Gloria Borger, the history of what we're seeing, and when you consider what you're not seeing right now on camera is all the National Guard troops who have been sleeping in the halls of Congress, who are now stationed all around a lockdown uh, Capitol Hill area, armed members of the National Guard. Yeah, inside that chamber, you don't see it, although you do see members in masks now. Um, and outside, it is like an armed camp. I can attest to that coming up to CNN on, on Capitol Hill. I, I know what I saw, and it, it was frightening to me, quite honestly, Anderson. Uh, what we've just witnessed is, you know, as we've all said, he's the, he's the first president in history to be impeached twice. But this happened at warp speed. It isn't as if Democrats woke up and said, you know, wouldn't it be a great idea to impeach Donald Trump uh, before he leaves office? They did not do that. They were the witnesses to the insurrection, and today they became the judges. And what they said, along with, uh, you know, 10 Republicans, what they said is enough is enough. We have to stand up. We have to say something. This might not be politically helpful uh, to a lot of people because the Republicans, on the other hand, said, look, you guys just want to cancel Trump, as Congressman Jim Jordan said it. That misses the point. This isn't about canceling Donald Trump. This was about saving democracy as we know it. And I don't think, quite frankly, the American public got the real debate that they deserved because there were very few Republicans who stood up, you can count them on one hand, who said this was a free and fair election. The president's statement today did not say that. And I think that is what the public needs to hear to reassure them that democracy survives. And I should point out, uh, David, before we hear from you, it is now 231 votes to uh, impeach, 10 Republicans on record. We're still waiting to hear from four Republicans uh, on on this. Uh, so we continue to watch that and uh, we'll bring you the gaveling in uh, when it happens. But David, what, what, have, uh, what has stood out to you? Well, look, I agree with everything that Gloria said. You know, we heard several, many Republican members say, why are we doing this? There's only seven days left. It's vindictive. It's, it's all about Trump. Not really. It's about reestablishing norms in our democracy. It's about standing up and saying, no, this is not acceptable. We will not accept a president inciting an insurrection against the government, against the Capitol, putting people's lives in, 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 uh, in jeopardy. And I think that is is really important. The fact that 10 Republicans stood up is meaningful. I know there, you know, some people may be disappointed about that number, and you'd think it would be more given the fact that many of those Republicans were potential victims of this assault. Uh, the vice president of the United States was a target uh, of this result. But I think back to Watergate and, you know, uh, on the House Judiciary Committee, a majority of Republicans voted not to 
impeach Richard Nixon. It was only a handful of Republicans who voted. And partisanship wasn't as strong then uh, as it is now. But it is really important, and we'll see if, if it sticks, that what people take away from this is not partisanship, but the fact that there are norms that cannot be broken. There are laws and rules uh, and, and, and institutions that have to be respected in a democracy. And I think that uh, that is, you know, I thought uh, Steny Hoyer's close uh, very much spoke to that. If there was a mistake that I thought Democrats made in this debate, it was the notion that this president is a clear and present danger and we need to get him out of office now. Well, he may be a clear and present danger, but it's very clear that he's going to serve out his term and leave uh, on January 20th. So that was sort of a red herring, and it left open the opportunity for Republicans to say uh, that, uh, you know, we only have seven days left, so let him go. That's not the point. The point is you have to put a marker down. You have to say this is unacceptable now with this president and a future president. And I think that's the significance of what the House did today. We'll see what the Senate does with it. Gloria, hard not to see, though, partisanship in just the the results of this. I mean, 197 so far, Republicans Mm -hmm. voting against impeachment. Many of those, uh, you know, are people who even after the attack stood up and objected to the free and fair election, objected to certifying the results uh, of the election after the attack. I mean, this is a Republican Party right now. You're looking at the fault lines in the party. This is a party, some of whom uh, privately will stand with Liz Cheney, calling what the president did a betrayal, but publicly they won't do it. There's a freshman Republican who stood and voted for impeachment. Let's listen in. I'm sorry to the gavel in. Does any member wish to change a vote? No, can't go. Speaker Pelosi uh, has asked if uh, if anybody wants to change the vote. That is what they are now uh, just waiting to hear if anybody. motions that they want to change their vote. As you see, uh, 231 votes for uh, impeaching the president, 197 against 10 uh, Republicans, uh, 221 Democrats. On the uh, the nay side, 197 uh, Republicans. And they are still waiting to hear if anybody wants to, to change their vote. It, it, David Axrod, as we continue to, to, to watch this, um, Let's listen. Vote. The ayes are 232. The nays are 197. The resolution is adopted. Without objection, the motion to reconsider is laid upon the table. All right, so Speaker Pelosi has just gaveled the vote down and uh, the motion has passed. President Trump uh, becomes the uh, first president in the history of this republic, to be impeached twice. Uh, This follows, of course, his incitement of a mob that committed a terrorist attack and attempted to stop the counting of the electoral votes in the House of Representatives last week. Let's listen in. The House Resolution 40 is hereby adopted. The chair announces the speaker's appointment pursuant to Clause 11 of Rule 10, Clause 11 of Rule 1, in, order the, in, in the order of the following of the House of January 4, 2021, of the following members of the House to the Permanent Select Committee on Intelligence. Mr. Schiff of California, Chair. Mr. Nunes of California. Right, 
So the House of Representatives has voted to impeach President Trump for a second time. The final vote was 232 in favor. That includes uh, 10 Republicans. Let's listen back in. 1B of House Resolution 8, the House stands adjourned until 11 a.m. on Friday, January 15th, 2021. All right, so the House uh, is adjourned until January uh, 15th. Uh, To recap, the House of Representatives just voted to impeach President Donald J. Trump for the second time. This time it was a bipartisan vote. 232 members of the House, including 10 Republicans, voted to impeach President Trump. The vote against was 197. There were five members of Congress uh, who did not vote. Uh, This is the most bipartisan impeachment vote in the history of the United States. This is more bipartisan than the impeachment vote of any previous uh, president. Uh, And I should note that in addition to the Republicans who voted, uh, Abby, to impeach the president, there are a number of Republicans who did not vote to impeach the president, but laid the blame for the, the, the terrorist attack at his feet, including, for instance, uh, Congressman Chip Roy of Texas, who said he wasn't going to vote for impeachment because he was concerned about the way that the resolution was written, uh, but that he did blame President Trump for the incident. And even Kevin McCarthy, who, as we've discussed, was part of this uh conspiracy to spread lies about the election, but as a close ally of President Trump's, uh, said today, the president bears responsibility for Wednesday's attack on the Capitol. Uh, that is the clearest that we've heard from someone at that in that position of leadership, the uh, House minority leader uh, from on the Republican side, uh, you know, not leaving Liz Cheney alone, by the way. They agree on that. Liz Cheney and Kevin McCarthy agree that the president is fully responsible for this. I also think we're about to enter a phase, the Senate side, as we go into the Senate uh, trial here, where we don't know what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, there has not been a whole lot of information about where the majority of Republicans in that chamber uh, stand on this issue of impeachment. Mitch McConnell has made it very clear he's open to it. And if the New York Times and our reporting is correct, uh, he even privately might believe that impeachment is appropriate in this moment. But the fact that he's letting uh, it be known, on, you know, pretty much on the record, that he has not made a decision about whether he would vote to convict or not is a huge red flag for President Trump that could indicate uh, that that in the Senate he could face a very different situation from what he faced the last time around. The Senate is typically not as staunchly conservative and Trumpian and partisan as the House is. And so I think we can expect some uh, some surprises on that side. Yeah. And with regard to what we saw just now, 10 Republicans saying, yes, I want to impeach uh, the president who is in our own party. You know, it may not seem like a huge number. It's not when you think about the entire Republican caucus. But these are 10 Republicans who did... Uh, what they thought was right, but what is politically the much harder decision to make. Right. Much harder. That's a great point. And, uh, you know, it's easy to say, I condemn the president, but I'm not going to vote for impeachment. That's the easy political route to take. Those 10 did something that is very, very hard. And, um, you know, we'll see what happens. I mean, sometimes with these issues— With the benefit of time and more information, the votes that these 10 have taken today will look smarter and smarter and smarter. And And two of them we should should point out, two of them, I believe, are are freshmen, are are first-year members, uh, Congresswoman Butler of Washington, Herrera Butler, and Congressman uh, Mayor of Michigan. uh, Herrera Butler is is not a freshman. She's not a freshman, I'm sorry. Well, then it's it's one. Right, but but it is the congressman from, uh, from New York. I think you're referring to David, David, David Villado is it? No, David Villado, Valadeo is from California. He's a freshman, but he had held the seat previously. He was beat by T.J. Cox and then he just beat T.J. Cox. Anyway, let's just talk about mayor then. Yeah. Okay. Congressman mayor of Michigan, Republican. He took uh, the seat of Justin Amash. Mm -hmm. That is a really tough vote for a freshman. Mm -hmm. But he, in his statement, made it very clear you can't have presidents of the United States inciting terrorist attacks yeah. on the Capitol. On one level, it's kind of amazing that 
it wasn't a unanimous vote, especially considering the fact that all of these members seems, of Congress, except for the potential <laughs> co-conspirators uh, who we don't, you know, who, who might exist, that all of them were really at risk. I mean, that mob was out for blood, literally. They were chanting, hang Mike Pence. They wanted to kill the vice president. So on one level, it's kind of amazing that it is a unanimous vote. Hey, dude, you inspired this terrorist attack that almost killed me and my family and everybody I work with. But on another level, because this is politics and because it is the Trump era where literally almost, I mean, the president had said, put it himself. He could stand on the, on the floor of the house, uh, floor, floor of, uh, he could stand on, the, on Fifth Avenue and shoot somebody and his base would be with him. I mean, I don't know if he meant it literally or not, uh, but we just saw the House of Representatives, the Republicans, go along with that basic idea. You know, one of the things that you hear a lot of Republicans uh, talking about is who exactly is the Republican base? I mean, is it the people who stormed the Capitol last week or is it what I assume to be a vast majority of the 74 million people who voted for President Trump who are reasonable people, uh, normal people and don't want to be. Uh, associated with or represented by that mob. And so there is a sense that uh, Republicans are still grappling with this idea of how much they still need to cater to uh, the types of people who believe the wildest and most ridiculous conspiracy theories. And I'm not just talking about the, the, the fraud stuff. What we saw last week was a confluence of anti-Semitic, of QAnon conspiracy theories, of racist uh, individuals converging on the Capitol. At what point does uh, the Republican Party say, that's not my base? Mm-hmm. Let's move on from those people so that we can talk to the rest of the 74 million people who are not actually like that, Mm -hmm. who are normal people, who are maybe just Republicans uh, and who don't want their party to be represented by that. I I need to correct myself. I just got a text from a member of Congress from Michigan. Uh, It's Meyer, (laughs) uh, Congressman Peter Meyer of Michigan. I'm sorry I mispronounced your name on this big day when you were braver uh, than most of your colleagues. Congressman Meyer. Let's go to Jim Acosta uh, right now, who's at the White House. Uh, uh, Jim, uh, what's the latest from over there? Well, Jake, we're waiting to see if the president will make some kind of statement uh, this evening. Uh, he's already put out a statement earlier today. Uh, he released that one to Fox and then uh, the White House uh, press office. And, you know, in the kindness of their heart, uh, sent the uh, statement out to everybody else in the White House press corps. Uh, the president saying in that statement that he does not want to see violence during any upcoming demonstrations uh, surrounding the inauguration of Joe Biden. Uh, One thing, though, I want to point you to, and that is some of the reactions I'm getting from Trump advisors. Uh, And and this one, I think, you know, really, you know, it it may crystallize a a lot of the feelings that we all have about this president. But it's coming from somebody who advises the president, speaks with him regularly, just spoke with him the other day. Uh, This is what this advisor said. In the end, it all came crashing down, in the words of this advisor, because Donald Trump could never tell the truth. He will be the cautionary tale that parents tell their kids, don't end up like Trump because of your lies. Uh, I I just think that's an extraordinary statement to come from an advisor to the president of the United States, uh, who is now uh, the, the first president in U.S. history to be impeached twice. Even his own people right now, Jake, Dan and Abby, even his own people know he's a scoundrel, know he's a liar, know he's somebody that incites violence. And this is something, you know, I I see as the culmination of so much we've had to experience over the last four years at those rallies, lie after lie after lie, you know, fistfights breaking out in rallies, uh, you know, inciting violence and so on. We've talked about this time and again. Uh, But now it seems people inside the president's own team of advisors get it. You know, this one advisor describing the president as somebody who built everything on lies and that this is coming crashing down right now for Donald Trump because of his lies. And and perhaps the biggest lie that he told over the last four years was that he did not lose the 2020 election. And it was a lie that became so cancerous that we saw the events unfold uh, a week ago, Jake. All right, uh, Jim Acosta, uh, thanks so much. And, and Dana, we were just talking about this earlier, but look, some people work for Donald Trump who were uh, trying to be guardrails. Uh, others were enabling this. Wolf? 
It's a historic day uh, indeed. Uh, this is a moment that I'm sure the President of the United States uh, was bracing for. We, know, we knew the Democrats had the votes, 232 in favor, but 10 Republicans joined the Democrats in, vo- in favor of impeaching this president for the second time. John King, let's look ahead right now. There's seven days left before Joe Biden becomes the president of the United States. Kamala Harris becomes the vice president of the United States. Trump presumably goes to Florida, to Palm Beach, to Mar-a-Lago, does what he wants to do. He's probably going to leave before. He's definitely not attending the inauguration, uh, which is next Wednesday. Uh, but these next several days will be critically important Important in determining whether or not the president is actually convicted in the United States Senate. There will be a trial. Such a defining day today, and we will have three successive Wednesdays in the history books. Last Wednesday, the insurrection. Today, the second impeachment of Donald Trump, the only president in history to be impeached twice. And then next Wednesday, what is an American celebration, whether it's a Democrat or a Republican taking that oath, the peaceful transfer of power, the peaceful transition of power. But as you mentioned, we enter into... What just happened is defining. What happens next is so uncertain. Uh, Mitch McConnell making clear, A, he hasn't made up his mind on convicting the president. That's a big deal. That's a big deal. Just like Liz Cheney's statement, first statement, when she said it's a vote of conscience, that was the green light. That was the green light. Liz Cheney was moving toward voting for impeachment. She thought some of her Republican colleagues should. Mitch McConnell saying, I have an open mind, is a green light to other Republicans, and no one should mistake that. The Senate vote will be different, and I would argue most likely more significant than what we just saw in the House. The question is when. Mitch McConnell says the Senate won't come back in time to do this before the Biden inauguration. Clearly, he wants the Democrats to run the impeachment trial. Chuck Schumer will be the majority leader then. He wants the Democrats to run it. The question is, they will run the Senate then. The question is, what happens to the Republicans? So what happens to the president? Is he convicted? Is he barred from seeking future office? We don't know the answer to that. We do know he will be on very different and much more shaky terrain than he was in his first impeachment when it was clear the votes were not there. We don't have the answer now. A, Democrats have more votes, and B, Republicans are much more open to it. And then there's the bigger questions that will carry into the Biden presidency. What about this divide in the Republican Party? It will not end today. It will not end when the Senate votes. It will carry on through the next two years. It will carry on through 2022. What happens? Does the establishment try to primary the Republicans who stood with Trump? Do the Trump forces, including the president, does he try to essentially, from, as a, from the post-presidency, try to go after those who were against him today? So the Republican civil war will continue in 2022 and into 2024. And this is important, and it gets lost in this sometimes, We get a new president in one week in the middle of a pandemic. The pandemic is at its height. It is as bad as it has ever been. He needs Republican help to to get the vaccination roll up at a higher speed. He needs Republican help. He says we need to stimulate the economy, which is bleeding jobs at the moment. He wants to have a bipartisan approach to government. Can he do that in this environment? So this is defining. History will record it. Donald Trump cannot wipe it away, no matter what he says or does from here on out. Uh, but so much of what comes ahead of us is still uncertain. It's like a quicksand environment. Yeah, and if there's a trial, there will be a trial right. in the U.S. Senate. Remember, there will be 50 Democrats, 50 Republicans. Right. The Democrats will be in the majority because the vice president, Kamala Harris, will be president of the Senate. But in order to convict the president uh, of uh, this impeachable offense, uh, incitement by insurrection, they will need 17 Republicans right. to vote with 50 Democrats, and that's a big challenge. It is a big uh, Jake, challenge. Uh, as we go ahead, we're watching this, of course, every step of the way. That's right, Wolf, and as you note, there's another, pro- uh, there's another step of this process. After the House impeaches, they have to deliver the articles of impeachment to the Senate, and then the Senate uh, does what it does. There's a trial, and then they have to vote whether to acquit or to convict. Let's go to Manu Raju on Capitol Hill uh, for more on that. And, and Manu, so what's next? When will those articles be delivered to the Senate? That's the big question here. Actually, I just tried to ask the Speaker of the House, Nancy Pelosi, when she would actually transmit the one article of impeachment over to the Senate that would begin the Senate, the, pri- the trial process in the Senate. She did not answer questions. She would also not answer questions about her reaction to Senator Mitch McConnell and McConnell's plan to wait until after the Senate returns on January 19th, not bring the Senate back earlier before Donald Trump leaves office in order to have a trial to push him out of office. And I, I, we just got a statement uh, as we were coming on air here, uh, guys, from Mitch McConnell. Uh, and he essentially is explaining why he will wait. I, I'm just going to read it to you. So bear with me because we're, we're all we're getting it right now. Mitch McConnell is 
critical here to determine whether or not Donald Trump will get convicted in the United States Senate. He said the House of Representatives has voted to impeach, has voted to impeach the president. The Senate process will now begin at our first regular meeting following receipt of the article from the House. So he says the Senate process will now begin at our first regular meeting following receipt of the article from the House. Regular meeting, meaning January 19th, okay? He's given, this is what he goes on to say, given the rules, procedures, and Senate precedents that govern presidential impeachment trials, there is simply no chance that a fair or serious trial that could conclude before President-elect Biden is sworn in next week. He He says there's no chance a fair trial could happen before Biden is sworn in. He goes on to say the Senate has held three presidential impeachment trials. They've lasted 83 days, 37 days and 21 days, respectively. So he said, even if the Senate process were to begin this week and move promptly, no final verdict would be reached until after President Trump had left office. He goes on to say that this is not a decision that I am making. It is a fact that President-elect himself slated last week that his inauguration on January 20th is the quickest path for any change to the occupant of the presidency. He's pointing the finger back at Biden of sorts. He goes on to say, in light of this reality, I believe it would be best to serve our nation if Congress and the executive branch spend the next seven days focused on the transition. And then he goes on to talk about how he's grateful for law enforcement through all this. What he does not say is what his position is. He said in an email to his colleagues today that he had not made a position yet. He said he wanted to listen to the arguments in the trial to decide whether or not to convict Donald Trump. So his position will be critical to determining whether or not there'll be 67 senators who would convict Donald Trump. But significant statement here saying no way, no how can there be a Senate trial before Donald Trump leaves office. That means Donald Trump is going to serve out his term. Now something changes or the president somehow decides to resign, which we're not expecting. McConnell here making clear any trial is going to begin in the Biden presidency. All right, Manu Raju, uh, thanks so much for that update. Uh, and, and Dana, I mean, that's, that's big news. So the Senate Majority Leader, who's only going to be the Majority Leader until January 20th, mm-hmm. and he's going to become the Minority Leader, uh, saying that there is not going to be a trial uh, before Joe Biden becomes president. Exactly. Uh, because of the fact that he let it be known yesterday that he thinks that President Trump committed impeachable offenses, Uh, There was a lot of uh, scrambling to try to figure out if that meant that McConnell would take what happened today and move it quickly, as quickly as he could, uh, through the Senate. And the answer, based on this statement, is no. He's not going to do anything to touch impeachment while he is still majority leader, and that's going to be just one more week. It does not mean that there won't be a trial in the Senate, because in one week, when uh, the then Vice President Kamala Harris will be the president of the Senate. Democrats will take the majority and it will be in likely Chuck Schumer's lap uh, to figure out likely not if there will be a trial, but how the trial will go forward, how the, how he will do it uh, in conjunction with what the Biden transition is saying, what Joe Biden himself is saying, which is that we have to stick with my priorities, priorities of the country, dealing with COVID and the economy, never mind confirming his cabinet. There's no question Mitch McConnell is punting this to the Democratic majority. I mean, he he said his comments in that statement, but he could have agreed with Schumer to bring the Senate back early. He chose not to do that. He released a statement saying as much today. Uh, but now that this trial will happen after Trump has left office, first of all, we should uh, let folks know President Trump can continue to be impeached even though he is not currently holding federal office. It, it has happened to other lower office holders, not the president, but lower office holders before. So that will go forward. I mean impeached and convicted. Uh, it, it, he can be impeached and convicted even after he is no longer in that office. Uh, but what does that mean? Why? I mean, who cares? I'm well, just playing devil's advocate here. This, if he's no longer president, who cares if he gets convicted well, this or not? Is, I think this is the, the critical point here. So this now gets kicked to a Democratic majority. And it's a question of two things. One, deterrence for future presidents uh, to, to put, out a, put down a marker saying this can never happen again. You heard that argument uh, made by many Democrats in the House and, frankly, made by some of the Republicans who, uh, who voted in favor of impeachment in the House. But the second part is this critical second element, which is will he be disqualified from holding federal office in the future? Uh, if that is a decision that is made under a Democratic Senate. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's something that gives McConnell and many Republicans plausible deniability. Mm -hmm. They're not the ones taking Donald Trump 
uh, off the field for 2024. The Democrats are to doing it to protect uh, Joe Biden. So it becomes a much more political issue in a Democratic Senate. And I think it uh, but I also think it makes it a much more live issue. I think it's a real possibility that we could see a different dynamic in a democratically controlled Senate in an impeachment and I'll hearing. Add, and I'll add one more uh, data point to what you just said, which is for history's sake. It's, yeah. it's not just to prevent a president in the future. It's to make a mark for history, for the history books, uh, on where these senators stand on whether or not what President, did, president Trump did, his role in what happened to them and to the United States Capitol one week ago deserves impeachment and deserves to be convicted. So that's that's one. And then the other is you mentioned uh, making sure that he can't run again. That has to be a separate vote mm-hmm. in addition to I- impeachment. Uh, there was some question because this is something that is very rarely addressed in this country. Conviction, in addition uh, to conviction. In addition to conviction, thank you. Um, and, you know, there might, I mean, it might be politically beneficial or it might be politically detrimental to some of those who are part of this enabling the president who were doing so with an eye on 2024, knowing full well what they were doing was wrong and they were doing it for crass political reasons. Yeah. And Joe Biden, uh, President-elect Biden, is going to actually have to come to some sort of position on this. He has punted it even mm-hmm. as, as uh, while. Various members of the Republican Party have tried to turn this into Joe Biden needs to, you know, in the name of unity and healing, take a position on this. Joe Biden, uh, they've said he needs to stop it. Joe Biden hasn't really said anything about this. uh, So that's going to be a thing. And I think one of the other issues that Democrats are going to have to grapple with as they can contain uh, control the House and soon the Senate is how much is this going to be about President Trump and how much of this is going to be about investigating what happened a week ago? Because this was a major law enforcement failure. Uh, and also, there are serious questions about uh, who was organizing this and how much they were talking to people on the Trump team or Republicans in Congress. Wolf? I'm Dr. Sanjay Gupta, host of the Chasing Life podcast. In honor of our 10th season, we want to hear from you. Leave us a message at 470-396-0832 and tell us how you chase life. It could be used on an upcoming episode.